Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 26. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether you do it informally or as a vocation. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, and today's thread covers Chapter 11, verses 22 through 33, and the topic, A Ministry Life Will Cost You Something. But if you're a true servant of God, you'll be willing to pay it. You know, there are a lot of benefits to a ministry life. And again, I'm not talking about necessarily doing this for a living, although uh, a lot of people, you know, they're just like me. You know, my whole life has been the ministry. And I, if I was in business, I'd be doing the ministry. That's what Christians do. But I love that the Lord has allowed me to completely make it my thing. It's uh, it's not a side thing. It's not what I do when I have extra time uh, or after, you know, my other job, but he's allowed this to be my central focus in life. It's my career. And there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, one of them is working with the Lord so closely, and that's what drew me into it. I wanted to, he's working and I wanted to work with him. And so whatever he was doing, I wanted to do it. And I just want to be near the Lord. And I have been near him in his work and seen him change so many people's lives. And I got to be there for it. So that's been awesome. Uh, It's a meaningful life. Another benefit. It's just you feel great. Uh, The things that you're doing, you know, they're helping. They're helping people and they're expanding the kingdom of God on the earth. And it just feels great. Uh, Third thing, benefit, relationships. Amazing amazing, uh, relationships with so many different people. Uh, walking with them in the most wonderful and the most horrible days of their lives. Just beautiful. And then there's personal benefits. For some people, there's a salary or some kind of financial support. You can become church famous, and uh, nobody else outside your church group knows who you are. But in your church circle, you know, you can you can have your notoriety, uh, a lot of honor for people who serve for, uh, you know, in the, in the Lord's work. Uh, Christians honor that, and we respect it a lot. And so y- you feel it. Uh, people are nice to you. And sometimes you get housing because of it or some other kinds of benefits. Um, and these are the kinds of things that have attracted the group of fake apostles that Paul is battling with. Uh, he warned He warned us in our last thread that if you ever see someone who's m- moving themselves into a position in the spotlight in ministry... And you can tell that they want to be our darling. You know, they want us to focus on them and think they're super and they're, they're wonderful. Paul warns us in the last thread, if you ever see somebody doing that, just know that, that person is in competition with Jesus. They're not working with him. Even if they're working in church work, they're not working for him. They're working for themselves because glory is swirling around us all the time. And those people are stealing some of it for themselves. And the glory rightly belongs only to Jesus. All glory is his. So you can mark them by this one characteristic. You know, like you don't need 25 ways to see if a person's faults. This one characteristic will just just about do the trick. Anyone posturing themselves to be our darling one, our special one, is in competition with Jesus. They're not glorifying him. They are in some way glorifying themselves. And Paul is intent in chapter 11 on helping all of us to know 
who we should follow in spiritual matters. Because, in fact, God has established men and women across the world who rightly hold his designated authority to teach, to challenge, to guide, to be agents of change and channels of revelation, unveiling truths from God's word for our benefit. These are God's leaders upon the earth, and we would do well to submit to them and let them lead us because we're humans, and humans need to be organized. We need leadership, and leaders can't lead if followers won't follow. You know, teams can't accomplish their great victories without a captain who can keep their energies focused on the things that matter. So we all need leaders, and God has given these leaders to us. It's just that being church is a wartime, not a peacetime matter. The church exists to deal with this great era of human history when there is a dread spiritual war that wages across the earth. And the scripture tells us it will get worse and worse. You know, as we get close to the end, it's like this great crescendo battles, battles in the heavenlies, battles in the home, battles among nations, battles between generations, between the sexes, between races, spiritual war all around us. Souls as the prize, Satan and Christ at war every single day. And it's happening and we can see it and feel it. Don't ever forget that. Being in church is about war. It's not about peace. And one of the greatest arenas of battle will always be in the church itself, in every nation. And that's not to discredit the church. You have to understand the church must fight to be the church. It must keep itself united. It has to keep itself pure. It has to keep re, you know, like being reborn. Every generation has to rebuild the church again and be the church again. And, and here in our scripture, even in the first century, the church was at war to be the true church because the devil is attacking it. The church is amazing. Ministry is awesome. And knowing that, the devil is attacking and these impostors, these spotlight lovers, these people manipulators, money grabbers, these entitled ones had worked their way into this crucial church, a church in one of the most cosmopolitan cities of the world. This church was in tune with culture, maybe a little too much, but still they were in tune with culture. This church had such an opportunity to be a missions force throughout Asia Minor, and Paul could see it. He could see all of this, and that's why he wouldn't just quit and walk away despite the draining conflict he was enduring among some of his closest friends in life. So he gives us, in chapter 11, a a guide of sorts to help us discern the difference between people who have mere human status. You gain this from good looks, from acceptance in the right class of friends, from amazingly good speaking and, you know, general entertaining abilities, so you're great in the spotlight. All that normal human leadership versus true representatives of God who carry his anointing and his authority into the world. So let's just look at three proofs, okay? Number one, true ministers don't want to be your darling. They don't want to be your hero. They don't want to be your go-between to God. Fake ministers exist to do exactly these things. Their whole show depends on it. 
But true servants of God know that you're the bride, and Christ is the bridegroom. And they have no business coming between you two. They don't want to do that. They want to bring you to Christ so you can establish and build a direct relationship with him, not one that's mediated through them. And that's pretty much uh, the last lesson of Thread, Thread 25. Now, Thread Season 3, verse 20, uh, episode 26, second thing, true ministers don't covet your money. They may receive support, but they're doing their ministry for something more than money. I mean, they'll do it whether they receive support money or not. They'll never demand money. And they'll be careful how they handle the money that others entrust to them to make sure everyone can see the trail clearly between the money and where it goes. True ministers don't love your money. Hirelings will stop ministering the minute they don't get paid for it. Paul did not take a salary in Corinth. So the hirelings there, because he could see it coming, he didn't take a salary in Corinth. He didn't take any support from that church, although he took it from other churches, even while he was with them. He just wouldn't take it from them. He did this on purpose, and he's already told us that in this chapter. He said, I did it so the hirelings will have to deal with my example. And they will show themselves for the money leeches that they really are. True ministers don't covet your money. Third thing, and that's what this passage is about. True ministers are willing to pay the price for the privilege of serving the Lord. Ministry itself has a ridiculously broad skill set. I mean, things being done around the world as ministry, everything from drilling wells to piecework between warring factions in countries. I have a friend that does that, and it's really very interesting work. You're trying to get people to organize instead of just fighting and bombing each other, try to get them to become organizations that have one leader so they can sit down and start talking and work stuff out besides killing each other. Piecework. I mean, that's a special skill set. And then you've got translation work. You've got all kinds of missions work. You've got church planting work. You've got buildings being built. Uh, you've got lots of teaching and training. You've got all kinds of stuff being done. There's uh, ministry in the streets, helping people, ministry of vocational assistance, trying to help people get employed and employable, rescuing people in trouble, whether it's refugees or, or women and children who have been beaten up and they need a place to run and, and just hide away from somebody who's just awful, who's coming after them. All this is ministry. All this is work in the name of the Lord. And a lot of times it's all being done by the same person. You know, it's being done by the same group of people. It's a ridiculously broad skill set. No other field has so much in it. And consequently, uh, people in ministry are some of the most broadly educated people you'll ever meet. It's part of the price of being in ministry. Typically, if they receive any support, it's going to be very low. And in most countries, the pastor and family will actually live in the church building, which makes them easy targets in persecution because locals know right where to find them. And Hindu death squads in the last 30 years have done so much work against pastors, burning down the churches, killing the pastor and his family, burning them to death. Just awful things have happened. Uh, maybe their own families may misunderstand them. They don't understand what they're doing. They've left their families 
religion and now they're following this new way and now it's their full-time thing and their whole heart is into it and and their own family can come down on their head. And then as you do ministry work, the work of caring for other people all by itself is just demanding. I mean, in your own life, you might have to deal with crises, I don't know, a dozen over a lifetime. But when you care for other people's lives, you experience the traumas of a hundred lives. You're going to the hospital to see somebody almost every week. You're staying up all night long with one family or another, you know, while they're just fighting death away with prayer and hope as their loved one is in a critical situation. And, you know, because you lead, uh, you're, you're, you're always busy. You know, your, your life's very active. You're often working late, often nights and weekends. The worst battle, of course, is internal division. Uh, among your inner circle, their relational attacks are so exhausting. And actually, most people who leave the ministry do it just because of that. They had a conflict with somebody near to them, and they just can't deal with trying to go back to ministry again. When it's something as personal as your religion, you know, uh, debates are often just filled with a ridiculous amount of emotion. And I could go on and on and tell my own stories and that of, of my wife, Sherry, you know, it ranges from my wife having a gun pointed at her by a crack smoking husband of a woman she was trying to help out of that lifestyle to financial hardships, to strange physical illnesses that went away as suddenly as they came to over a million miles of travel. Some trips taking 48 hours uh, unbroken. That one was actually Siberia. Thanks a lot, Greg and Melissa Clark, because only you two could entice us to go that deep into the snow in the dead of winter in Siberia, but we loved it. Uh, Sherry broke her kneecap in the back of a van in Ukraine trying to hold on to a child when the driver slammed on the brakes, and she just had to suffer with it for almost a day until we could go by train 13 hours to get her to a credible hospital to get a cast put on. We've had strange spiritual encounters with the darkness, been through a lawsuit, lost friendships, Money stolen, lies spread to discredit us by friends that we trusted. It just goes on and on. You know, and you do all this for the sake of serving the Lord in ministry and to try to help people leave the dark side and come to him and grow in him. And our trials have been nothing compared to brothers and sisters we know who've been jailed, rejected by their families, even had their children taken away by the government permanently and endured other nightmares that are just too personal to talk about. But if you're called, nothing else can attract you. Not an easier job, not more money, not a big retirement package. Your heart is wired to serve the Lord and uh, represent Him in this world and to take care of His people, and you'll do it no matter what it costs you. That's the third a true sign of a representative of Jesus. They will stick with it and they will pay the price no matter what happens to them. And Paul is about to go into his list of personal trials. And it's a very impressive list. He knows that the fake leaders, they won't suffer for ministry. If they don't get to eat first, if they don't get the nicest seats and the softest beds, they won't stick around for long. And if persecution ever comes, They'll be gone long before the first arrests are ever made. Paul says that he's actually embarrassed to talk about these things, but he feels compelled to do it. He's careful not to boast about his personal abilities or even his successes in life and ministry. He boasts about things related to his human weakness, 
about the things he suffered because the fact, you know, okay, this battle is between those guys and Paul for who is God's true representative. And Paul is saying, okay, you guys have all boasted about your, um, your abilities, you know, what great speakers you are, how educated you are, how super spiritual, what famous people have sent you letters of commendation that you can show everybody. I'm going to enter this boasting battle with you, only I'm going to boast about something different. I'm going to talk about, because the whole point is, who's God's man? And Paul says, I'm going to talk about the times when I was so weak, I could never have endured, except the Lord was with me. Somehow, I've been sustained by the Lord through all these problems. Somehow I've been made able to be victorious over this many problems. Any human would have been defeated by this much trouble. And yet I'm still here. I'm still standing. As the smoke of each battle clears, I'm still standing. So Paul doesn't, he's not going to launch into these things to brag on himself. We need to be clear about that because Paul is well aware about human pride and what pride does to you. Paul is bragging on the Lord's presence to sustain him in all his times of trouble. And these verses are going to roll into the next chapter and the next thread. This is the beginning of what Pauline scholars call the fool's speech. Uh, We get that from verse 23, Uh, Paul's boast. And so he launches into it. Let's start in verse 22. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Well, I am more. In labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prison, more frequently, in deaths, often. From the Jews, five times, I've received 40 stripes minus one. So 39 stripes, five times. He's got that many scars on his back. Three times, I've been beaten with rods, like with small poles. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. A day and a night, I've been in the deep in journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, because I'll be, I'm a stranger in their countries and anything can happen to me. Perils in the city, there's a certain kind of danger that's in a city. In perils in the wilderness, there's a different kind of danger when you're out alone in the, in the wilderness. Perils in the sea, perils among false brothers, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, he means there was no food, in cold, in nakedness, he means I had no clothes to deal with winter. Besides the other things which come on me every day, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation, So if I must boast, I will boast in things which concern my infirmity. That means my my weaknesses. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed forever, he knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor, under Aretas the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall. And I escaped from his hands. What's he saying? God has been with me. I am still here. 
I'm not, I'm not God's man because I'm the fastest on the team. I'm not, you, you don't know I'm God's man because I'm the best speaker in the house. You don't know that I'm God's man because famous people have given me letters to give to you. You can know I'm God's man because my back is covered with scars. I didn't drown. I haven't been defeated. Everywhere that I would have been defeated, totally broken down as a human. And yet the Lord has sustained me. Jesus is with me. That's what you need to focus on. Jesus is with me to strengthen me. So, yeah, Paul will say in other places, I don't speak well in public. And I don't know why he didn't speak well in public because he, I mean, he writes well. But he says himself, I don't speak well. And people said it about him. And they say, when you look at him, it's dete- he's detestable. So I don't know if he, if he has some strange look to him or even all these beatings, if this has bent him over. I don't know. But Paul is aware of all his weaknesses as a human. And he knows none of these things make me weak as a ministering person. And in the, as we go forward in the thread, we're going to get to that beautiful the talk uh, theology of pain about the, uh, the thorn in the flesh. And as Paul starts to understand, it's not all the human stuff that makes us big among humans. It's just about status. Status is just it. it it's what works in business. It's what works in the things that are not the kingdom of God. But when we use status to lead in the kingdom of God, we've just messed the whole thing up. And we turn the church into the anti-church. And it just becomes this human thing that we just made, which I don't even know if it is the church when we turn it to a certain point. But Paul says the real church, God's real people, doing God's real ministry, it's led by real ministers, by people that have the mantle of anointing from the Lord on them. And you will know these people because they don't want to be your darling. They don't want your money and they will pay the price and stick with it throughout the ministry. And God will stand beside them and make them strong. And I believe that's who you are. I think that's why God has you listening to this podcast. I think it's why he's got you tuned in today to hear this scripture. I don't know what you've gone through in your life and I don't know, you know, maybe you maybe you were in it a lot deeper than you are right now. Maybe you got beat up some and maybe, you know, you had some trouble and maybe you lost heart and you just kind of like backed out. And, you know, maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now, telling you to get back in, get back in. Don't give up. Don't give up just because you've been through troubles. Don't give up just because you've had some fake friends and fake brothers hurt you in some way. Don't give up. Get back in. Get back in. These are the last days. Spiritual wars raging. Lives are at stake. Souls are at stake. And God wants to use your life. He's using you. But he wants to use you even more. But to do that, you got to pay the price. You're just going to have to stick with it. He will stick with you. He will never abandon you. There's so many things I just would not say in a podcast. But if I ever got to sit down with you just as a friend and open my heart, there are just some, some bleeding moments in my own life. And the Lord has sustained me through those, and he will sustain you too. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Well, that's all for this episode, Thread. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're being strengthened by it. If so, please share the podcast with your friends. And really important to me, would you click the subscribe button? Only if you do that will I get your email address. And as you uh, subscribe, the system will automatically let you know every time we can send you an email, every time we have a new 
thread out, but we're starting a new podcast soon, and I want to tell you all about it. And uh, I can't do that I don't, if I don't have a way to contact you. So please hit that subscribe button today, okay? All right. Uh, and don't forget to check out all our free courses on MediaLightOnline.com. This week, expect God to use you because you are light of the world. So shine on you.